You are listening to the Restoration LA podcast. For more, visit us at restorationla.org. Awesome. Let me pray real quick. Lord, thank you. Thank you for all that you are doing in the life of our church. Thank you for being faithful to us as a people, as a community, as, as this local body that expresses itself as, as, as restoration in Los Angeles. Lord, we, we love you and we want to continue the work that you have called us to do, not only in this place, but from this place, God. We are, are trusting you, God, as we are continuously endeavoring to disciple and to equip the saints in this place for the work that you have called us to, Father, that we are growing in, in spiritual stature, that we are growing uh, in, 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 in the gifts. We are growing in, in this understanding that you are, are advancing your kingdom in a real and mighty way, and we get to be a part of it. Lord, we trust you with all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, we are going to start a, a new series this morning, um, and it's called Encounter. Okay, can you say Encounter? Encounter. So, we, um, all, honestly, we could have we could have continued all in for like the rest of the year, um, and so we we have obviously themes, and as we get together as an eldership team and pray about what God is wanting to say to us as a church, this is uh, one that we believe that we we want to recognize. Um, amongst the people of God. Um, how many of you believe that you've had an encounter with God? Yeah, I, I hope each and every one of us can recognize that we have had an encounter or that we are capable of having encounters uh, with a holy God. Um, and how many of you know that having an encounter with God just can't be a casual thing? I, I think in... in, in a lot of today's church culture, I'm going to say church culture, because there's a difference between kingdom culture and church culture. And if I can explain that just a bit, there's things that God is doing in the kingdom. And sometimes we can can mistake that, that only what God is doing here is what matters. God is doing stuff way beyond who we are as a local expression as, of a church. And so we get to be a part of that. And sometimes we can make what's happening here in this place be the main thing. But this is not the main thing. This is part of the main thing that God is doing universally with his church. See, we are not the church. We are part of the church. And the church is not a building and Restoration LA is not the church. We are part of the church. This body of believers that has subscribed to the relationship of a loving God who through the reconciliation of his son's sacrifice on a cross are able to be in communion with him. And so we have to respond to that bigger picture. And sometimes church culture can usurp kingdom culture. And so even when it comes to this understanding of encounter, when we encounter God, there, there's so many, even within the churches that, oh, I just want to encounter God. I want to encounter God. I want to encounter God. And, 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 and I believe that we should desire the presence of God. I believe we should desire the, the, um, the opportunities to encounter God. But friends, I have a question is, is to what end? To what end are we desiring an encounter with God? Because when God reveals himself, things shift. We sang a song this morning that says, when you walk into the room, everything changes. Everything changes. 
And I wonder how many times we feel like we have encountered God and nothing has changed. I wonder how many times we walked into a church service on a Sunday morning and, 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 and please forgive the expressions. I'm not trying to be funny. I'm just being real. I've been a part of this church culture for so long. We've gone into a church service and we felt all the feelings and nothing changed. The question is, do we have an authentic encounter with a holy God? Because when you encounter a holy God, everything changes. Everything changes. When you encounter Jesus on the cross, everything changes. We can't go back to life as it was. There's a, there's a, there's a, there's a paradigm shift that takes place when we experience this type of encounter. And I heard somebody once say, hey, we don't live by experiences. We have to live by the word of God. I, I, I understand what that person was trying to say, but I don't believe that holistically because I'm telling you, the, the, the experiences that the disciples had with Jesus are what transformed this world to what it is today in the church. It's our experience with God. It's this encounter, this, this, this living encounter with God that our lives begin to change. I would love for us to turn our Bibles, if you have them, to Exodus chapter 3. You guys know this story. Um, it's, it's one of, one of the, the if, you, if you grew up, I'm assuming most of us know this story. Please forgive me. I'm assuming most of us know this story. If you went to Sunday school as a child, you, you learned about this story, and it's about Moses and the burning bush. How many of you guys have ever seen this story? If you've ever seen um, the Moses movies from back in the day, I mean, this was this epic story with, with Moses encountering God for the first time. And it looks, it looks like this in Moses chapter 3. It says this, One day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro. So we have to know at this point in, 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 the, in, in the biblical um, narrative, Moses had already uh, fled from, from Egypt. Uh, he was already guilty uh, of murder. He had fled and, and he had now kind of gone into, um, I would call it, hiding but you know he, he began a new life apart from being a part of his Egyptian adopted culture and now was trying to identify with his true uh, um, um, Hebrew culture and God was wanting to meet him right where he's at and so Moses is now in a place where he's at his father-in-law's he's he's tending the flock so he's now in a shepherd role, where once he was in a, in a priest role in the, in the, in the nation of, of Egypt. Now he's in a shepherd role. The priest, uh, so he was shepherding his father-in-law's um, flock of the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. How many of you have ever heard of Mount Sinai? The mountain of God. There, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. So, that, so, so this is an angel in the bush that's appearing, appearing to Moses. Moses stared in amazement, and though the bush was engulfed with flames, it did not burn up. I believe sometimes God uses flashy things in order to get our attention. How many of you need sometimes flashy things for God to get your attention? Maybe like me, you don't like catch real like small nuances. You know, there's times in scripture where it was a still small voice that God reveals himself. 
And some of you guys are, are, are capable of hearing God like that. Man, I need flashy bangs and God knocking on my head in order to get my attention. Moses was one of those guys. He needed a burning bush and this burning bush caught his attention. He's looking at this bush with amazement. The bush was not engulfed with the flame. So here's this miraculous sign that God gives him. This is amazing, Moses said to him. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. And most of us are taught as a child, when something is on fire, you go the other way. That wasn't Moses. That wasn't his character. It wasn't how he was built. He starts going into the fire. He starts going towards the fire. And when the Lord saw Moses coming to a, to take a closer look, as Moses begins to approach this burning bush, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses. And then Moses says a very dangerous thing. Here I am. <laughs> Lord, you have my attention. Here I am. And friends, I really believe in this season, God needs our attention. He needs your attention. And if you're not paying attention to the signs and if you're not paying attention to the condition of the world and if all that's happening around you isn't bringing you to a place where I need to focus on God, I don't know what will. God is calling out to his people and he's calling you by name. You know your name. Joel. Sam. Eli. Jonathan. He's calling us by name. And there's only one response, friends. Here I am. You have my attention. You have my attention, God, Moses replied. And then this is verse 5. And here we go, friends. Don't come any closer. <laughs> Don't come any closer. The Lord warned. Can you say warned? warned? Don't come any closer. The Lord warned. And listen to this, friends. Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. And I don't know if, if this makes any kind of sense to you. But when I was growing up, my grandma and my aunts all had plastic liners all around the house. And they had plastic over furniture that never came off. This was like the manufactured plastic that wrapped everything to preserve it. Because you weren't able to touch it. You couldn't walk on it. I mean, there's a, if you put, I mean, there, if there was like a little, if your foot touched the real carpet, you got in some serious trouble. I know I'm being funny. Something was being preserved. Something of value was being made known to us as children that, hey, we can't just do what we want with this environment. We don't get to, we don't get to run and jump and play on things of value. And as, as Moses was entering the presence of God, God was telling Moses, and this is very contrary to what we understand in the new covenant. Don't come any closer. Cause we understand in the, in the new covenant is come in. 
enter, come in, and, and, and we, we, we are able and we have complete access to charge into the presence of God. And that's the privilege of the new covenant. But there is no new covenant without the understanding of what God has already done. Friends, Moses was being invited into a holy place. Take off your chanclas, bro. This isn't a casual place. This isn't just this place that you just get to come in casually. There's a recognition that needs to be made in this moment. Take off your sandals for you are standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. And listen to this friend. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. He was afraid to look at God. So I want us to just think about this encounter, friends. Moses has this encounter. Moses, Moses, here I am, Lord. Don't come any closer. The Lord warns him, take off your sandals for you are standing on holy ground. What's amazing about this first and foremost is Moses was known by God. Moses was known by God and he calls him by name Moses, Moses. I really believe that we need to stop taking credit for our encounters with God. I think we become so casual with the encounters of God and we become almost even manipulators of, of when we can encounter the presence of God. And we have to stop taking credit for our encounters with God. It's God who reveals himself to people. We can't conjure up uh, the, the, the presence of God. We can't, we can't ask Pam to play some beautiful note on the keyboard and automatically, oh, there it is. Now we understand the omnipresence of God. We understand the presence of God is here. When two or more gather, God is in our midst. But there's also the manifest presence of God. And he will show up how, how he wants, when he wants, wherever he wants. His will. All God encounters, whether it be with the Father, Son, or Holy Spirit, are initiated by God. They're initiated by God. Second thing, Moses uh, has this wonderful response of, Here I am, Lord. Moses may not have understood everything that was happening, but he knew it was God. He knew it was God. And I really believe in this season, we have to pray to God for discernment in regards to our encounters with the heavenly God. Is this God? Is this not God? One of the, one of the hardest things for people to, to, to recognize is the voice of God. But I also believe it's these, these encounters. Is this thing God? I believe we can make anything God if we really want to manipulate everything that's happening in our world. And so many people are putting that God label on things that are not God. And we have to be careful. We have to be careful. Next thing is, there's a warning from God. Don't come any closer, the Lord says. The presence of God, listen, friends, is not something that we can handle casually. I really believe that we have to have a pause moment. We're about to, I mean, just think about a Sunday morning where we know we're going to gather with the saints, where we know scripture has told us that when two or more saints gather, the presence of God is there. I wonder how often we think before we even come to a church service. I'm not saying coming to the church because we're the church. 
coming to a church service, do we have this pause moment? Like, I'm going to be with God and his people this morning. Does that thought ever come into play with us as a people of God? That this isn't just some casual thing. This isn't just some social club that we just show up and we punch our time clock and then when it's over, we check out. We're about to encounter God and his people. Moses had to be warned before he entered this presence. Moses had to have a a heart check before he entered this presence. I think the church needs to be reminded, if not warned, about our casual approach to the presence of God. Take off your sandals because you are standing on holy ground. There's, there's, There's much to be said about orthodoxy. There's much to be said about even fundamentalism. If you grew up Orthodox or if you grew up fundamentalist, you would know walking into Restoration LA, in many ways, we are not that. But there's still much to be said about Orthodoxy and fundamentalism. Because the way the presence is handled is not casual. It's not just this, this, this willy-nilly, hey, whatever happens, we'll see. There, there, there is an understanding that the presence of God is holy. And that we need to handle it as such. And when I talk about we, we can very easily say, yeah, you know, I think, you know, yeah, you know, the, the, the pastors, they do need to do a better job of that. We need to handle it as such. One of the things that I really believe is needed in the church, and especially in the world today, is the practice of reverence. The practice of reverence in a world where the name of God is taken in vain over every other false god in the world. You think about whose name is taken more in vain Out of every other religion, it's the name of our God. It's the name of our Savior. In a world where we think we can play God and redefining creation and gender and treating the word of God as a loose guideline rather than a holy word from God. We need to be reminded about reverence in a world where truth is subjective and two opposing truths can both be right unless it's the truth that comes from the one true God. We need to be reminded of reverence. In many ways, this church needs to go back to, to finishing school, if I can say it that way, to teach holy reverence. Now, friends, don't get scared. I'm not talking about legalism because I'm not expecting you all to come in a three-piece suit next week, although that would be okay. And when I was growing up, man, if you weren't dressed right for church, you're not coming. If you had a baseball cap in church, as soon as you walked in, someone was slapping it off the back of your head. That's a a church. I'm not talking about that. We might be a casual church. That's okay. But we should never be a casual people. We should never handle the presence of God so casually. 
That there isn't a pause in our hearts. There isn't a, a warning in our hearts when we're about to enter into a holy space or enter into a holy season or encounter a holy God. We teach reverence to our children. We teach them to be polite, to show respect, use your manners, watch how you speak to adults. The Apostle Paul gave Titus similar instructions in Titus 2. Teach the old men and teach the older women and teach them to teach the younger men and the younger women. This understanding of reverence and order in the life of the church was given to the people of God. I think the first le lesson that God would teach Moses personally was this, friends. Take off your sandals. Because you're on holy ground. You're on holy ground. Learn how to handle the presence of God. It's an amazing lesson. Take off your sandals. Some, some, some may read that and feel like God is inviting Moses to get comfortable. I mean, we do that in our, in our house. Hey, take off your shoes. You're good. Like we, we have a table that, that's um, in, the, in the middle of our, our living room. And, you know, we have, for, oh, you know, because if they put their foot, oh, can I put my foot there? Like, please put your feet there. Go for it. Like, get comfortable. You're good. We can, we, can, we can interpret this as that. Like, hey, God just wanted him to take off his sandals. He wants him to just be chill. It's all good. This wasn't that moment. Though the presence of God, listen to me, friends, can bring comfort. Can bring comfort to a mourning heart. There is nothing comfortable about the presence of God. And I know I have to qualify that, but I, I really want us to get this. Yes, God the Spirit, Holy Spirit, is the comforter. When we used to sing a hymn when I was younger, the comforter has come. The comfort of, comforter has come. He is the comforter. He comforts those who mourn. He comforts those who, who are in pain. He comforts those who are feeling absence from, from, from the presence of a holy God. But there's still nothing comfortable about the presence of God. Because when you encounter the presence of God, what is required? Change. When we look at every person who encountered the presence of God, there was a transformation coming. This was Moses' first encounter with a holy God. And I'm telling you, it would set uh, uh, Moses on a journey that would never allow him be the, to be the same. This is why this encounter is so significant. It could be, oh, burning bush, take off your sandals, you're on holy ground. It's all good. We got to listen to the whole context. Any person that has ever encountered the authentic presence of God has been thrust into a world of change and transformation. Take off your sandals. This isn't an invitation to get comfortable. Holy ground requires holy feet. And holy feet cannot be holy if you're bringing in all the trash that's sticking to the bottom of your sandals. Take off what was. Take off that past that you just brought in with you. All that baggage that you've been carrying. You're going to have to take that stuff off before you enter into this presence because we're going on a journey and you don't got time for all that weight. Maybe some of you, your moms reminded you about getting clean before you came into the house. And any of you experienced that? Take off your shoes or uh, our poor kids. We went to the beach last weekend and uh, we weren't planning on like 
getting all sandy and everything. But, you know, you can't take kids to the beach. And uh, I don't know what we were thinking. So we were hanging out with Jonathan at the beach. And uh, so Judah and Mackenzie and Ray just go to the water. And we're just like, oh, you know, trying to stop them and be like kind of wrangle a cat, you know. So we just let them hang out. But, you know, we, we have this kind of semi-new car now. And now they're all jacked up sandy. So we're like, you're not getting in this car like that. Our poor kids, man. We made them get all in their undies and get back into the car. <laughs> like, <you're> like, <laughs> like, <laughs> so they're like, they're like, they're all covered up, all, all, all in their undies to get into this car because they're like, you're not getting in this holy car like that. You're standing on holy ground. Listen, friends, anywhere God is, we must consider a holy place. Anywhere God can be found is holy. But I, I just want us to just, just hear my heart a bit. I'm processing this with you. And if you guys want to challenge us theologically, I'm happy to have the conversation but there are also hot spots of where God's presence is. I mean, when we read scripture, it says when two or more are gathered, whew, he's there, right? Man, when the saints gather on a Sunday morning, we, we are standing in, in a holy place. I mean, this is nor churches are normally referred to as a house of God. And we are the temple of God. God lives in us. It's, it's not this building, but this, because this is a household, man, this is a hot spot for the presence of God. In those places, in those places, we encounter God. Moses at the burning bush, the Samaritan woman at the well, Paul on the road to Damascus. Maybe you can recall your encounter, that hot spot where, man, you experienced and you encountered God. Some of you, it was this place, this very place. But isn't God everywhere? That's a, it's a good question. Absolutely, God is omnipresent. But we're talking about encounters. We're talking about encounters. We're talking about when God revealed himself to us. And I think we can all agree that there are geographical places on this earth that we are, are, are going to be hard pressed to experience an encounter with God. If we look around us, this world isn't getting any better. There's entire cities where, where you could just feel the demonic presence over those places and, 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 and even being able to, to, to touch the essence of God is hard. It's not that God has removed himself. It's the dominion. In this place, in this burning bush, God revealed himself to Moses. When God manifests his presence, friends, we best take off our sandals. We best take off our sound. It's reverence. It's reverence is regard to treat with deep respect. It's awe. It's submission. It's submission to a holy God. And I, and, I, and I wonder if our authentic encounter with God has birthed this in us. Has it birthed this inside of us? Listen to Moses' response to all of this. Verse 6 of this same chapter we've been reading. God says this, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And when Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. 
He was afraid to look at God. There was a holy fear that sat on Moses' life. And I'm just wondering, do we still experience this holy fear, this awe-submitted reverence to a holy God when we experience his presence? Or have we just become so casual with it and like, oh, there's God. Holy fear came over, reverend, uh, came over Moses. Not the fear of man, not the fear of death. It's a fear that only takes place when you encounter the presence of an almighty God, your creator, your heavenly father. Listen to this. There's, there's some of these encounters that stand out to me when I think about Isaiah uh, had this encounter in Isaiah chapter six, verses four through five. And this is what happens. And, and so this is Isaiah's revelation of God. When God reveals himself to Isaiah and the foundations of the threshold trembled at the voice of him who called out while the temple was um, filling with smoke. And then I said, this is Isaiah speaking, woe to me for I am ruined. The presence of God was so thick. He sees the throne room of God. And this is where we, 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 some of the songs that we sing are based off of this holy scripture. right? And the, and, and the angels are singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And as Isaiah is having this revelation of Jesus being seated on the throne, he is filled with fear. And his response is, woe to me, I'm ruined. Because I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among people who with unclean lips for my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of armies. Gosh, there was this holy fear that comes over him. We see this in, in Peter's life and Luke chapter chapter five. And, and if you don't know the story, Peter's with the disciples and they're fishing and and nothing's happening. And God, Jesus shows up on the scene. He's like, yo. Put your nets on the other side. And they're like, yeah, Jesus, you know, this is kind of what we do. Like, we know what we're doing. We've been doing this all night. Nothing's happening. Let's just call it a night and try again tomorrow. Jesus is like, put your nets on the other side. They put their nets on the other side and we, they get the catch of a lifetime. Listen to this. But when Simon Peter saw this, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, go away from me. Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. You see, when we, when we encounter the presence of a holy God, it exposes everything inside of us. It, it goes into the deepest crevices of your heart and your psyche and your being. And we're exposed by the holiness of a loving God, of, of an almighty God. And this is Peter's revelation. He, at this moment, recognizes this is God almighty. Go away from me. I'm a sinful man. We see this in John's revelation. Revelation chapter 1, verse 17. And when I saw him. Listen to this, friends. When I saw him, I fell at his feet like a dead man. I fell at his feet like a dead man. And he placed his right hand on me saying, what does he say, friends? Don't be afraid. The fear of God swept over John the beloved. Don't be afraid. I am the first and I am the last. Man, the presence of God. It's powerful. See, these are holy encounters. 
These are the encounters I really believe that every saint should experience knowing that we are in relationship with the Holy God. There's nothing casual about this relationship. There's nothing like, yeah, I'll see you when I see you or, or yeah, we'll see what happens. We have those kind of relationships on earth and somehow those, those earthly cultural things bleed into our relationship with a Holy God. And how is it that we can be so casual with God? We, you know, pick up the phone and say, yeah, we'll see what happens. You have those friends who you want to make a date with, and you're like, hey, we're going to do this thing. Yeah, I'll let you know. You're like, no, now's the time to let me know. I'm trying to make a date. Yeah, we'll see what happens. No. Like, let's make it happen. Don't be afraid. I am the first and the last. This, this holy fear, friends, it comes from, from the exposure of our innermost being that recognizes that he is holy and that we are not. He is holy. We are not. All the sin, all the secrets, all the imperfections, all the insecurities, every idle word, every evil deed gets exposed. All these, these encounters were enough to bring the likes of Moses, Isaiah, Peter, and John to their knees. Friends, how have we handled our encounter with the Holy God? From this encounter, Moses would, would lead God's people into holiness. From this encounter, God would lead, or Moses would lead God's people into holiness. So this wasn't only his encounter. This would translate into this, this communal encounter that God was requiring of Moses' life. Leviticus chapter um, 11 verse 45, we, we see a holy God requires a holy people. For I am the Lord who brought you up from the land of Egypt to be your God. So you shall be holy because I am holy. This is amazing, friends. So now this holy encounter translates into Moses leading a holy people because God would require holiness because he is a holy God. We see in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 13 through 16, Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Do what, friends? Prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in the spirit. Set your hope completely on the grace. Please say grace. Grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You see, now in this new covenant, when we encounter this, this, this holy presence, there's a grace that accompanies it, that allows us to, to have this encounter, this revelation of Jesus Christ. Verse 14 says, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts which were, your, were yours in your ignorance. But like the Holy One, like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior. Because it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. You see, if we don't have this revelation of the holiness of God, how are we ever, by the grace of God, going to be that holy people he's calling us to be? We see in Moses' life, as he was leading this new holy people, a holy people required a holy law. A law that rules, um, rules that would govern their action, rules that would govern their relationships, rules towards God, uh, relationships with God, relationships with each other. This was this was this holy standard that was now being set for the people of God. 
So holy people required a holy law. Listen to this. A holy people would require a holy leadership. And it started with Moses. And Moses had to have this authentic encounter like, take off your sandals, Moses. You know what I love about God and ordained leadership is God would never put nothing on the people that he has not required of his leaders. And I love watching that in Jesus's life because there's nothing that Jesus has asked us to do that he wasn't willing to do himself. Holy people requiring a holy leadership. I mean, this, this new group of people, we're, we're going to have to learn a whole new slew of things and some hard lessons. There was trials to get them to understand this holy place. Just think about this. I, I, I sometimes get a little weary about portions of scriptures like this because I've heard them used wrong, but this, listen to this. Holy leadership is absolutely needed in the life of the church today. Where God is leading, God is always using leaders to help his people get there. These leaders are not better than, these leaders are not set on a pedestal. It's just God's pattern. God is always set apart. That's what holy means, has set apart men and women to lead God's people to destinations. He's always done it. And, and, and But we've also seen, because even in our American context, that leadership is challenged to the nines. What I mean by nines is like just top to bottom. They're just challenged in every way. And I believe that leaders should be held to a standard because there's abuses we've seen in the church forever. You see all these celebrity church guys and all the bad things happening. I'm telling you, none of that is good for the church ever. But still, God ordains leadership. God ordains leadership. Listen to this, Numbers 12, 12 2. Marion and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Cushite woman whom he had married. For he had, made a, uh, for he had married a Cushite woman. And then they said, has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? So, so Moses does something that maybe they didn't agree with. And so now Aaron and Miriam, who were following this leader, start questioning his leadership. So then they start questioning God. Has, has, you know, does God only speak to this guy? I don't know if you've ever thought about that in the church. Like, hey, how come these guys are the only ones that talk? Does God only speak to these guys? But I'm telling you, there's some unholy chatter that can take place in the life of a church. And if it's happening, we need to be careful. Because they begin to question, listen, this is what God says. And they said, has, has you know, the Lord only spoken through Moses? Has he not spoken through us also? And then the Lord heard it. That what? And then the Lord heard it. I remember one time, probably the, 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 the most, like the most memorable spanking I got, disciplinary action I received, was a lie that I told that my dad heard me tell. We were going to a mountain trip, real quick. We're going on a mountain trip, and all cousins, friends, everything. So we're in a truck. There's three seats in the front of the truck. Everyone else was in the back bed. That's when, kids, you don't know about this. We, get to, we got to ride in the back of the truck. And so we're in the back. I'm in the back of the truck, but my cousin was, let, was able to sit in the front. And I was jealous that my dad let him sit in the front and not me. I'm his kid. And now my cousin gets to sit in the front. So we stop at the, at the gas station to get gas. So my dad goes in to pay for the gas. So I hop out the back and I go to the front. I'm like, yo, you got to get in the back. My dad said, I'm sitting up here. And my dad was standing behind me. He's like, I said, what? 
And I was like, uh, <laughs> I didn't enjoy that entire mountain trip because my dad's like, when we get home, we're going to talk. I knew what that meant. Miriam and Aaron were speaking about Moses. And the Lord heard it. He heard it. There's consequences for those kind of things. You see, we have to understand a holy God has holy standards. And in these holy standards, we are set amongst a holy people. And we got to act accordingly. This, isn't, this is just far more than just my encounter with God. This now transcends to, to what God is calling us to and who God is calling us to be. And so my encounter is not just my encounter. It's actually our encounter because it begins to transform not just me. It transforms community. Through a gauntlet of trials and testing, the people of a holy God would be refined into a holy people. A holy leadership would begin to lead a holy people. And then we see this in 2 Peter chapter 9. You guys know this verse. We use it often, and I'm going to be landing quickly. But you are a chosen people. Can you say chosen people? You are a royal priesthood. Can you say royal priesthood? You're a royal priesthood, a holy nation. This is you. This is God describing us. This is who you are, a people of God's own possession. We belong to God. We belong to somebody. So that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of the darkness into his marvelous light. He's called us to be this type of people, not just to be these people, but for a purpose. Moses' encounter with God was for a purpose. It wasn't just so that he can have this burning bush experience and then for the rest of his life walk around the known land and be like, Hey, did you know that I seen God on Mount Sinai and he was in a form of a burning bush? It was awesome. He should have been there. 30 years down the line, hey man, did I ever tell you about that story when I saw God on, the, on Mount Sinai? He came in the form of a burning bush. It was amazing. He told me to take off my sandals. I'm standing in a holy gown. Look at these are the sandals I was wearing that day. It was awesome. Should have been there. But this is what happens with our encounters. We make them events and we don't recognize that it was for a purpose. It wasn't for an encounter's sake. It wasn't an, a special event. This was a catapult for Moses' life. He would encounter a holy God, which would, which would make him a holy man. And that word holy is set apart. He is now set apart for the work of God to identify a holy people, to be set apart, a whole entire nation, this royal priesthood, who we are now a part of, to beware, to go to a holy land, a promised land. Saints, an eternity with a holy God. It's a destination. See, it's just not about my encounter. It's not just about that time that I had, the, you know, I experienced that thing. This is, this, is, this is about what God is doing through my life for the sake of his kingdom. So if we're a holy priesthood and we're a holy nation, listen, and this even goes to the leaders. Leaders, we must handle these people as though they are such. Our elders, we try to get away. At least once a year, and at least once a year, I go through Ezekiel 34, um, 34 with our entire team. If you've never read Ezekiel 34, it's, it's about the proper handling and care of God's sheep. And there was men in, 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 who, in, in the time of Ezekiel who were abusing God's people. And there's this false shepherds, they're called. 
abusing God's people. And there's a sober reminder in Ezekiel 34 that if you're leading God's people, that you better take it seriously because they're holy. They're his people. You see, I'm not just set apart and it makes me all the, um, the awesome guy. These are holy people. This is a royal priesthood. This is God's very own possession. This is God's daughter. This is God's son. And I better handle them as such. So oftentimes we always hear the, you know, hey, you know, don't, don't touch the Lord's anointed. You know, to protect leaders. Hey, don't touch the Lord's sheep. They're his kids. Treat them as such. So holy, a holy leadership, leading a holy people. This is us. And we're a holy people for a purpose, to proclaim the excellencies of our God. To bring people out of the darkness into the marvelous light. This is the purpose we're called to. And then we see this holy community, a holy church. A holy church, a holy people, holy saints, holy deacons, holy elders. Set apart by a holy God. Listen, friends, this is my final reminder for us this morning. Moses' encounter with a holy God included him. But ultimately, it was not for him. I want to bring clarity to that. Moses and his encounter with a holy God, it included him, but it was not for him. There was such a bigger picture. There's always a bigger picture. Your encounter with God includes you. But it's not ultimately for you. There's a bigger picture. These are the encounters I want us to begin to recognize in our lives, in the life of this church and beyond. Our encounters will be for the glory of God. Listen to me, friends. And for the benefit of others. The benefit of others. You guys, please stand with me this morning. Just love for you guys to close your eyes for a moment if you're willing. I recently heard uh, a minister out of DC say something pretty significant. He said this, the most exciting thing that's happening in the kingdom of God is happening in your local church. This isn't a Restoration LA promotion. What, but what I felt from that for us is that if a holy God saw fit to bring this group of holy people together by his grace and by his all-knowing power then this has to be one of the most exciting things that God is doing in our lives 
not for Restoration LA's sake, but for the glory of God and for the benefit of others. Your encounter with God was far more than a burning bush moment. It's an opportunity to see the world transform around you. It's an opportunity to see lives change. It's an opportunity to be established as, as a people of God. That's God's invitation. And I pray that your revelation of our holy God will be that of Isaiah, that of Peter and John. This holy fear of God. But I also pray, knowing that we are in the New Testament, that we have the courage, as Esther did, even in fear, to enter into a throne room, would do it with unabandoned courage <laughs> to rush into the presence of God with a holy fear knowing that your life and the world around you is never going to be the same Jesus thank you thank you for revealing our holy father to us heavenly father thank you for revealing your holy son to us Jesus, thank you for revealing the Holy Spirit to us as a gift. Lord, I pray that as a people, we will never take your presence casually. I pray that we will recognize that our holy God requires a holy people. And that it's only by the blood of Jesus that we are holy, that we are not right in and of ourselves, but we are righteous in you. Lord, I pray that as we see our brothers and sisters in this spiritual household, that we will see holy people and handle them accordingly. Lord, may our revelation of who you are and our encounter with you translate in how we treat your people. Jesus, we love you. And we thank you for bringing this this spiritual household together to experience all that you have revealed in your scripture together not for ourselves but for your glory and for the benefit of others in Jesus name I pray amen amen hey we could give Jesus praise thank you guys um awesome Hey, love you guys. Hope you guys have an amazing week. Don't forget all that's happening this week. Lastly, two things, if, if uh, not lastly, second, two things. Um, if you're getting baptized, I just need to see you up here real quick so I can get your information. So send you the Zoom information for our meeting on Thursday night. And then if you're staying or if you're having lunch uh, with us, um, that's happening at one o'clock. And so please come back and we're, we really want to um, yeah, enjoy our, our leadership time with you. Absolutely. I, did, I, did, I do need to do one more thing. Um, uh, I'm sorry, guys. Um, for those of you who haven't received the news, um, 
Mike's sister Trina has passed away this past week um, and, and as a church um, we want to do everything that we can to, to make sure that this family doesn't have to worry about anything, anything spiritually, anything physically, anything financially. Um, there is a meal train happening right now that we're, we're we, um, that you could sign up with. Um, Sarah Patrick's leading the meal train, so if you need any information, see uh, Linton, and their home group has uh, put the meal train together so that we can, you know, just be taking the meals so they don't have to worry about those kind of things and concentrate on being together and being a family. Um, one other thing, uh, or two other things that I want us to do, I want us to continue to pray for this family during this time. It's been a long season for them. They've, they've, they've been caring and, and fighting for Trina's life for so long. And so please be praying for Mike and Johnny and the kids, but also be praying for Mike's parents as we make uh, plans to um, have, have the final ceremony to celebrate her life. Um, but lastly, uh, I, I, over the next couple of weeks, I want to take a special offering for their family. Um, they haven't asked for this. Um, they are trusting and believing God's going to take care of everything. But I also believe that God uses God's people to take care of things. And so if you go on that same website for our giving, you have two opportunities on there. One says tithes and offerings, and another one says special giving. So anything in these next two weeks that, that come in as special giving, we're going to give directly to this family. Um, just to, for anything that they might need uh, for to cover any kind of costs in any way and so we we want to bless them and take care of them and so um if you guys wouldn't mind just in this moment if we can just pray before we end so um lord we are once again caught in this crossroads of of mourning and celebrating lord such a such a season of loss in this last 12 months for us as a body and to have it affect our, our church family again, Lord. Lord, we, our hearts are with the Munoz family and Trina's greater family. Lord, to fight and to pray and, and to still have to experience loss, Lord, it could, it could bring up so much in a people. But ultimately, we we can find our place of thanks knowing that she was a child of God. Knowing that her eternity is sealed in heaven. Knowing, not in a cliche statement, but knowing we will see her again. Lord, I pray for that revelation to fall deeply onto this family. Lord, I pray you comfort them. Lord, I pray that you meet every need, emotional, mental, financial, physical, every need in this season. Reveal yourself through grace and love. And I, I pray that we as a church, God, will do all we can to come alongside, to mourn with those who mourn, but ultimately to lift the hands of those who aren't able to lift their own. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, guys. Um, you can go on to that we uh, that website if if you if you don't have the finances today. Or also, there's a basket there. Um, Brett, one of our pastors, is back there. He'll be able to collect um, anything 
um, if you have something physical to give, you can put it there as well. We love you guys. We'll see you at 1 o'clock for our, our um, thermostat leadership meeting. Um, if not, we'll see you guys soon. Bye-bye.